Bad Guy Inc. presents Beyond the Fight. What's happening, guys? Welcome to Beyond the Fight. Today's episode is brought to you by BetDSI.com. Guys, if there's any major or world event that you want to get action on, Go do it at BetDSI.com. They've got a mobile app, which is what I use. These guys have been in the business almost two decades. They have built a reputation on making pain and being collecting your money very fast and very easy. Here's the deal. Go to BetDSI.com. You put up $50. Use the promo code BADGUY. One word. B-A-D-G-U-I. They will match your $50. Plus... They will email you a promo code that you can take to badguyinc.com. Pick out any two t-shirts. Bet DSI will buy them and ship them to you. Your $50 in the promo code badguy gets you $50 and two free t-shirts. Joel, there was something interesting that happened over the weekend. President Trump went to Saudi Arabia. He received a medal. So he dipped his head so that they could put the medal on. And he was accused of bowing to the Saudi prince, which in my opinion is just a polite thing to do. Where this comes in is Barack Obama, when he was first term president, went to Saudi Arabia and did bow to the prince, brought his arms to his side, dipped his head, bowed to the prince or king rather. And people came down on him so hard. You're the leader of the free world. Why are you bowing to anybody? And I'm looking at going, hey, man, that's a cultural thing. If you want to go over into their culture and that's how you greet one another, then that's what you do. I would compare it to if the king of Saudi Arabia comes to the White House and President Obama extends his hand. We we shake hands here in America. We don't bow. We shake hands. If President Obama extends his hands and the guy refuses to shake Obama's hand, I'm going to go, wow, what a jerk. You know, you came to America, you came to the White House, you were a guest and you refused to shake the president's hand. So sure, Obama should have bowed. It was polite. Trump dips his head so that he can get a medal, which wasn't a bow. It was how, if you've ever received an an award like that of a medal, you lower yourself to help the person putting the ribbon around your neck, and they accused him of bowing, which first off would have been fine if he had done, and secondly is absolutely not what he did. What do you think of that? I tell you what, I've gotten caught up in this thing. Not that particular thing, but the drama which is Trump. I'm trying to be Switzerland on this thing. I'm trying to stay in the middle because I don't know enough about it. But boy, if you go to Fox and listen to Fox, this is, this is somebody that doesn't know anything about politics or, but, but I've been watching it because it's pretty cool. If you go to Fox, Fox is on Trump's side. If you go to the rest of them, they're coming at Trump like he's the worst thing in the world. And it gets back to my point on both sides. These are successful, respectful, Smart people. How can they both be wrong on both sides? How can they both be wrong? So I'm staying in the middle. I'm Switzerland. I don't want you to impeach the president because it's going to cost all of you money. Yeah, well, who cares about the money? If somebody needs to be impeached, impeached him. But what does that have to do with Trump? I mean, you got congressmen that are calling for his impeachment, and those dumb sons of bitches will be reelected from their districts and sent. But you want to impeach a guy? For what? They haven't offered one piece of evidence. They they offered some speculation. They're now doing a Senate subcommittee investigation that's costing everybody money, to your point, based on a rumor that came out of a conversation that allegedly happened to the president and the only witness in the room said did not happen. They are literally going to investigate a rumor. So when you talk about what you're seeing from CNN, they are not offering you any evidence. But the media, they did the same thing. 
to Richard Nixon, who was a great president, but he was not the candidate that the media wanted. And the media loves, absolutely loves, and sees it as their right to elect and have elected the people that they want. So he is not who the media wanted, and they will not rest at anything until they can bear him. They did it the same thing with Nixon. And now you're starting to see with Trump, and you're kind of just scratch your head going, guys, where in the hell is the evidence? And you want to talk about whether he talked with the Russians? Man, he better have talked to the Russians, and Hillary better talk to him too. If you're telling me that you think that you're going to be the leader of the free world and you're not starting to already form some relationships and talk to other countries, that's outrageous. And now you want to say, Joel, they're trying to say now that there was some kind of corruption and voter fraud. If I took you back to November, the person saying there is voter fraud and we need better tightened security at the ballots, it was Trump. And when he said it, they tried to make fun of him. Now they're they're the ones saying it and trying to say he used it against him. He's the one that's been banging the drum from the beginning saying you need to check who in the hell is voting and vet your voters a little bit better. So it, there doesn't seem to be any direction he could go. He could come out and say, go right today. And CNN will bear him for it. He could come back and say, no, I think we should go left tomorrow, which is what they said you should do. And they would bear him for that. There is literally nothing that he can do. And you saw this with Nixon as well. Literally nothing he could do because that's not the candidate that they wanted people to vote for. And that's the reality. That's not a political statement coming from the left or the right. That's just a history lesson. This has happened before one other time where the media did not get their way and they never forgave people for it. I just fell asleep. We got Vassell Linton coming on the show well, in a few close. minutes. It's Linton Vassell, but yeah, he'll be well, here. That says Vassell Linton. Yeah. Right there. I'm well, I reading said you're it. close. Well, I got both words right. I just got it wrong. You did. You did so get them right. Both words right. Anyway, I'm checking this cat out. He just beat Liam McGarry, who's a former champ. Before that, he beat Francis Carmont, who was a killer in the UFC, and then he came over to Bellator. And he beat Emmanuel Newton. These are his last three fights. Who's a former champion as Who's well? Who's a former two-time champ? Yeah, he's beaten two former champions. Yeah, that you know that's one of the problems that he's got is he fought all the right guys in all of the wrong orders. I mean, if he would have fought and beaten those guys at the right time, he would have been a world champ, no question about it. And uh, he just got him in the wrong order. And then you know he also ran into King Mo somewhere in there right before that. Yeah, and and Mo straightened him out a little bit and and set him back. But Mo's another guy who on any given night is wearing the strap out of the ring. That's three different weight classes. Yeah, so if you think for a second that Linton isn't one of the best guys, you're just simply not paying attention. Did you get to see his fight with McGeary? They went on right before Daly and Rory. No, I did not see that. Yeah, so... You know, I could have really said I did. I could Yeah, I, I saw well, that Joe, fight. It was he, a great fight. Yeah, but here's the thing. He really didn't have that hard of a time. You know, McGeary is a really hard fight. McGeary's a straight-up stud, and the fight was where McGeary wanted it. It was on the ground the whole time. Linton took him there, and a lot of us were expecting Linton to let him up, try to exchange on the feet, keep it in that realm, and he did just the opposite. He fought McGeary where McGeary wanted to be, and he overwhelmed them, and that, that meant something to me because you know, I've got a lot of respect for McGeary. So, you know, this, this, this Linton's a, a problem any way you want to slice it, but managing that guy's career, you know, if you're his manager, you are in a tight spot. Because he's done some real heavy lifting and got some real heavy victories. All the right guys at all the wrong times. Well, but he's on a run. So the roadblock is Rory. Because now, you know, I imagine they have Rory fight for the championship. If he wins that, then 
what do you do with uh, Linton? Well, you know, and it, you really have to get creative on this, but the one thing you'd probably have on your side is that Rory's at 170 pounds and Linton's two weight classes above at 205 pounds, which I thought was tipped off to you when we brought up Liam McGeary and King Mo a moment ago. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I get your point, man. There, there's a lot of hammers out there, and it is a matter of what you do, and I think that Linton has positioned... One weight. One I, think, weight. I just think that Linton has positioned himself very well for you know what what he's going to do in the future particularly when you take Mo out of the scenario and you've got Phil taking on Bader for the championship. So here's the thing with Linton, you know, I I think that Linton's positioned himself very well and I would even argue that he's the number one contender of the weight class. You know, he just stopped the former world champion. I would argue that he's the number one contender in the weight class and when you throw Mo out of the scenario cuz he is out and now it comes down to Bader and Phil I think that Linton fights the winner. Would you disagree? Of course not, especially since I had the weight class wrong to begin with. All I'm right. going to agree with everything you say now. I appreciate that. And with that said, we are joined with what I'm going to say is the number one contender. I just I just don't see who could possibly argue with me. Linton Vassell. Linton, what's going on, buddy? What's going on? Hey, what's happening? I agree 110% with you there, It's kind of hard to disagree when you just beat the former champion of the world. And, you know, i got to say this because I really respect McGeary. I really think he's a rough guy. He's very nasty on the ground, and that's where you took this fight. And I remember the first time you took him down, I remember thinking, oh, I bet Linton's going to disengage, stand up, and keep this on his feet. You instead chose to stay on the ground. You know, beating McGeary is such a feather in anybody's cap, and not very many have done it, but you dominated him, and in fairness, and this isn't to kick Liam in the least, however, you did beat him at his own game. You stayed in that guard, you passed when you needed to, you pounded when you could, you beat him at his own game. I mean, you got to be feeling pretty good right about now. I, I Seriously, I feel, feel top of the world. But the thing is, Liam likes to work with his back, and that's how he catches people. For me, I like to work on top. And not blow my own trumpet, but when I'm on top for someone, they usually do not get up. Um, and I usually finish them. So it was like, it ended up being like, he, he likes to work on his back, I like to work on top. So for me, me and Neil, and I know you know Neil, Neil's the man. Neil just working, if I'm on top, stay low, put pressure on, and the sub will come. And training, 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 and it just seemed like everything just came to plan. Like basically, the plan worked flawless. That's all I can say. Did you, hey, you brought, you brought up Neil Melanson, and I love to plug him when I can because he doesn't get enough due. Have you ever submitted him? Tell me the truth. Have you ever got him to tap? <laughs> well, you have to ask Neil. You have to ask Neil, you know, you know, what happens with him stays in the gym. That's my, that's my part of it. But, I could yeah, just tell you, if you've ever got him, I would be so impressed because I've never got him, but I've never even seen him. Not even close, frankly. I've never seen anybody get even close. I mean, he is a monster you know, you, you on top. Ask him and, and let him explain. All right. <laughs> okay. I, you know what? I will do that because I have a feeling there's a good story there. All right. So tell me this. So you get done with your business. When you get to the back, were you able to take in the main event? Yes. What did you um, think of that? I, 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 just, I just thought Rory just had the right game plan. I, I thought if they stood up for the three rounds, I, I'm pretty sure they probably would have rocked him and maybe ended up two-carrying and knocking him out. Um, but 
I'll, I'll, for Rory to beat him was on the ground. And I thought Rory did exactly what he had to do. And he did it pretty much like flawlessly, really. He took him down, didn't take much damage, and obviously got the sub when, 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 it, was, when it was time to finish him. Um, so he, he played the smart game. He played the smart game. And what exactly happened afterwards? Were you in the arena to see that something went down with Paul and MVP? I caught a little clip of it, but it, it wasn't enough, and it wasn't from the right vantage point for me to tell what happened. It appeared that Paul went over to MVP and engaged in either verbal or physical or both warfare. What happened there? Well, I, was, I, was, I, was, I didn't actually see it, but... My sister was involved. My sister actually got trampled on. So I, I need to speak to Paul about that. Ooh, that's not um, good. He, he ended up actually um, going over to um, MVP and their boys. But my sister was behind him. And my sister actually got trampled on and she's a bit bruised up, a bit upset and stuff. So, you know, other than that, um, they, they got split up and then they went on their way. Um, but yeah, that, it ended up um, obviously, you probably heard Paul was calling that MVP. He went back to obviously, you know, maybe facing more stuff. Their crew and other crew got, got in a bit of a push fight and they ended up falling back onto my sister. So, um, yeah, I'm still a bit upset and a bit bruised up on her leg. Well, I'm very sorry your sister got involved in that. Let me ask you this. So, who was out of line there? I mean, what was MVP? Was this on Paul's normal path back to the locker room that he had to walk to get to the locker room and MVP spoke up or touched him or did something or did Paul go out of his way to find MVP? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. All right. Well, a little bit of drama for us either way. Now let's talk to you. You know, it, it's so, it's so nice to go through a training camp, go out into a fight, get your hand raised, which you did, but you know, the hard part, man, you come on a show like this. I have to ask you the million dollar question is what's Next, who are you looking at? I have to assume it's the winner of Bader and Phil. Am I right? Without a doubt. My eyes are not on anyone else other than that world title fight. You know, I, I didn't think I did enough to get the Francis fight. But I was happy to be like, you know what? Give me another fight. Let me let me prove myself that I'm better than the Francis fight. Um, the Francis fight, pretty much in my eyes, I should have finished him, and I didn't engage on the ground. I was too busy, he had his back, and that's not me. I don't just sit on someone's back, but I did that. Anyway, that's, that's, out, that's out of the way. So, yeah, obviously, got this fight with Liam. So now, I just beat him, and, and I beat him in a good fashion. The, the world title's next. I, I can't really pick a winner, to be fair, out of them two, um, but whoever it is, you know, I, I'm next on that list. You know, I don't see how Benatar can be like, no, someone else is above me and next. Because no one's beat three people in a row. No one's on a, on a, on a win, win record. So it has to, has to be me. I've, I cannot see how someone else can be in front of me. Yeah, well, hey, I think the fighters' opinions matter too. I'm in the weight class, and I will concede you're the guy. You deserve it. It should, it yeah. should be you next. Now, when you talk about predicting a winner with Phil and Bader, that's tough for me too. When I look at those guys, I really think Phil is the better fighter. But they fought, and Bader beat him. So apparently, that's I'm right, wrong. Right. So the question is, yeah, you know, was that a fair depiction of Phil? Was everybody firing on all cylinders that night? And you add the two extra rounds. It's a five round atmosphere, and that does change things. Yeah. It's hard for me I, seeing I, Phil get beat, but Bader already beat him. I can't deny that that happened. Yeah. 
And also, Phil is like on a four fight win streak right now. So he's pretty, you know, pumped. Um, he's been, uh, I think he's been a lot more active. So, and, and took a lot less more damage. So, you know, the table could be in, in, um, Davis's, you know, in, 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 in sorry, it could be in, in the eyes of Davis, the favour, but you never know. It'd be interesting because I'll be there ringside watching without a doubt. What do you make of the, uh, Mitrione Fedor fight? It, it, can Mitrion get him? Mitrion can get him. I, I do also think it's what Fedor shows up. Like, Fedor has been in for many wars, and if I didn't move, though, I actually thought he lost that, you know, and I, I'm going to say, I'll I, I, I really say that uh, Mitrion hits harder than, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to guess he does hit harder than, than Mova, though. So it, it very does depend on, on who's, who's going to show up. But Matt's got a very big, big, big chance of winning this, um, you know, if, 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 he, if he shows up on, on the night. You know, I had one big takeaway from their fight that fell through. And what that was is they made it to the weigh-in. And Mitrione yeah. was 22 pounds bigger than Fedor. And... You know, when yeah. Fader was on his run, he was beating some really good guys, but, you know, one of those really good guys was Noguera, who's not huge for the weight. One of those really good guys is Krokop, who's very small for the weight, comes in about 224, 225. When he started running into some of those bigger guys, Bigfoot Silva uh, comes to mind instantly. He really had trouble with that size, it seemed. And, if, you know, if there was anything we did learn from that weigh-in is Mitrione is significantly bigger and I think that that's a fair point. I mean, we can only ask so much of a 236-pound Fedor. He's taken on a 260-pound Matt Mitrione. That's a fair point. Yep. And so Matt, Matt, Matt lands on you, man. He's, he's fast. He's got that quick, explosive um, power. So he's definitely got that power to, to knock Fedor out uh, and finish him. And yeah, Fedor is probably enough towards the end of his career now. So I'd say the favor definitely in, in Matt, um, in Matt Mitrione's. Now, now, Linton, I remember talking to you, and one thing about your career, and I was talking to this about the fans before you came on, but you have fought all the right guys at all the wrong times. I mean, you would have been a world yeah. champion two times over yeah. now if those fights were just <laughs> in different months. And when you slip yeah. in, you know, the King Mo match, that was just at the wrong time. I remember speaking to you the first time we ever met, you spoke about the King yeah. Mo match and you were very positive about it because you said he taught me a lesson. He taught me a lesson I'll never forget about control, about who gets on top and who gets on bottom and the importance of, you know, being the guy on top or scrambling off the bottom. And, you know, when you said it, we were in a private setting and I just knew, hey, he means this. This isn't some kind of PR where he's trying to put a Band-Aid on Elias. This is a guy being a real guy telling me I learned from that fight. I, I don't like that I lost, but I like that I had that experience. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Like, as you said, I could have been world champion right now, but these losses that I've had, I've put so much away from them. And yeah, with, 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 this, with this Mo fight, I, I was too busy thinking I was already in the final. Not over, obviously over this Mo, but I was thinking I better save my energy for, for, for the final, thinking I'm already, I'm already in, and then I'll go all out in the final. So I started too slow. I got clipped, got dropped, pretty much survived that first round. And then it wasn't until the second where I woke up and thought, right, I, I have to finish him now. And, you know, maybe if we had maybe another, ooh, a third round, without a doubt, 
I'm, I'm confident he probably wouldn't have come out in that third because he ended up breaking his ribs. I think, I think it was either the slam I gave him or, or the body kick. Anyway, he, he wouldn't have come out, but that, that definitely um, taught me a lesson. Um, one, don't, don't start too slow. Don't overlook and think you've already won, won a fight and try and coast him. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to have a rematch, you know. Um, that's, that's, some, that's a fight that will have to happen at some point, whether I've got the title or some, somewhere down, down the line. Um, but there will be a rematch, I can see there. Now, Linton, you strike me as a very big guy. What do you walk around at? Are you about two and a quarter? Yeah, I'm, 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 I walk around on a good, good day eating, eating clean about 226, 227. Okay, and now I have to circle back to one thing you said. You said when your when your sister was trampled that uh, you need to speak to Paul about that. How's that come? What exactly do you say to Paul there? If Paul says, "Hey, I'm sorry, give me her number, let me call and apologize," is everything good? Yeah. Okay. Well, Paul's a friend, but you know, obviously my sister's upset. You know, um, he doesn't know that's happened. I don't have his number, so I don't really want to just text him. Oh, on social media, hey Paul, you know, you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> sure. All right. I got I just wanted to clear that up. All right. I'm sure Paul will be very sorry when he when he when he hears that your your sister yeah, got trampled I, I in that. Do as well. I do as well, yeah. <laughs> All right, Linton, well, uh, you're going to be in New York. I will be in New York. I will see you out there. Is there yeah. anything else you want to get off your chest, buddy? Oh, oh, definitely. You know, obviously, I'll be watching watching that light heavyweight fight. And, um, you know, between two as the winner, I want to get a win there and um, be called the number one contender. I think I've done more than enough to, um, you know, cement that. I think three, three top fighters, two world champions and you know Bellator if you listen to Scott Coker you can't you can't deny me that um, I would like to obviously thank all my supporters friends family everyone that's obviously followed me and just a shout out to um, a few sponsors which are the 86ers Rowrock The Warehouse Fasso Beauty Heinz Motors Alienware Herman Records Headblade and Gouda's Nutrition. You are the most sponsored guy in the entire sport, my friend. <laughs> hey, I'm seriously, everyone wants a piece. Everyone wants a piece of the sport. Hey, you, you deserve it all, and uh, congratulations on, on uh, your success over the weekend. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me, mate. You got it. Thanks, Lynn. All right, Lynn Vassell. I mean, look, Joel, can we deny the guy? He, yeah. I mean, he makes a fair point. He's laying his case out there. It's like, Linton, lay back, man. Don't sell what's already sold. You're, you're the guy. Isn't he the guy? I mean, he just beat the world champion. What the hell do you want from him? He's the guy. At, He's the guy. At 205 pounds, which I told you. The one thing is by saying, ask Neil if he ever tapped Neil out. He said he tapped Neil out. But here's the problem. Neil goes about 270, and it's all muscle. If, if he tapped Neil out, Neil let him. That's, that's my take. I'm going to find out right now. I'm texting Neil. Yeah, you, you should. One of the big matches that went down recently was Mr. Manville versus Mr. Sonnen. Now, Manville just made a world team as a redshirt freshman. 
Well, no, he hasn't enrolled. So technically this would be, he's 19. So that's the age where you would redshirt, but he didn't enroll. He still has a redshirt left. Yeah. So the world team is in town here in Oregon. All of them. Everybody came out. Well, provisor was still coming. Now this is your move. So I want you to walk the audience through how you piece this together. Okay. Well, so if you're a non-wrestling fan, there's something in international wrestling, both freestyle Greco-Roman called parterre. That's a French word. And it just means top bottom, essentially. So if you're the guy on bottom, all you can't do is get turned over. You got to start with your chest down, like say push up position and the other guy's on top. And then he locks his hands and tries to turn you every which way, but loose. And so, yeah, my move, Joel is to go to, I do this once a year. Some stud, I get some stud, I had Brunson a couple of times, and then I had uh, Manville this time. And I stack the deck in my favor. I mean, right, I'm not going to go in with a guy that's on the sitting world team and make believe that there's some real hope there. So I go down, and then I also pick a guy that's the right weight, meaning that I outweigh. I put a lot of things in my favor, but then I give up the position. The position is down. That's not where you want to be. But it's where I like to be. I'm very good from that parterre position. And I have a unique defense. I have a defense that is contrary to what they're shown. So I like to teach guys firsthand and show them so that somebody will come and go, hey, what are you doing there? That has never happened in all of my success in this. And I haven't lost yet. No, I, I didn't see this. Oh, and, and you can add Lloyd Martindale to that list, by the way. I also stopped Lloyd. Okay. So, Lloyd weighs 109 pounds. But the, but, but the point is, I have a defense that that is my own philosophies and theories from from my 31 years in the sport. And I'm waiting for somebody to say, hey, what are you doing there? I've never had anybody do that defense. And I still haven't got that reaction. Even when I stopped Manville, I was waiting for everybody to say, hey, what the hell did you do there? That's not how we're normally taught. Nobody did. Now, you did this last year or the year before with, with Zach Brunson. Now, Brunson had you loaded up. Brunson was close to turning you. How close did Manville get? Brunson hurt me very bad. Brunson hurt me. It took about four days to recovery. I mean, he hurt my back, my ribs. It was very, very painful. But I did stop him on Manville. Well, he was tight. He was really tight. And my plan was, so the showdown was at three o'clock. It was a set time. It was, you know, hey, meet me at school at three. So I tried to get there at 250. I was going to do two five-minute rounds with Clayton to get a sweat going. I showed up at exactly three. So all I could do was take my shoes and shirt off. So I was very dry. So when Manville locked on me, it was tight. Now, again, the deck was stacked against him in some ways. I picked a guy that was much smaller. This wasn't some make believe land. This is Chael's little fantasy camp that he continued. Now I don't have to, I don't have to defend it for another year. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it one. No, four. No, you're taking Brunson was twice. I got the Manville and I got Lloyd. Okay. That's four. So the point is for Chael's little, this is my involvement. Okay. Mason Manville is going to be an NCAA champion. He's going to be a world champion. He's already a cadet world champion. So this is now my tie in that now I get to be involved with the guys. That's what you have to do when you're a big wrestling fan. Okay. So so I had to go in and take lumps, man. He hurt me. He hurt my back. He hurt my ribs. He hurt everything. It was 30 seconds, but I didn't go. Now Manville's coach is Matt Lindland, former silver medalist in the Olympics, former world silver medalist. You guys were training partners, and Matt was one of the best in the history of Greco-Roman wrestling on top. Did he turn you? N- not this time, but when you guys were wrestling. Yes, when we were wrestling. So that one place you did not want to be with Matt, and he he was solid everywhere. He was second in the world, second in the Olympic Games, five U.S. national championships. But if he did have a dominant position, it was on top. Matt would get on top of a guy. He'd end a match. He would tech guys. He was in the Olympic semifinals, was down by two 
scored three from the top and and went on for the gold medal. I might have given him some of his biggest problems. Now, I'm making that claim. I don't know that he is, but I am very good at parterre. I've always been. So what is tell, it that you do? I used to tell my mom when she'd be in the stands, if you ever see me go down, that's the one point in the match you can relax because I'm not, I'm not giving up any points. And I never did ever, ever, ever did I get turned. And, uh, yeah, it'd be hard for me to verbalize what I, what I do there, but essentially it's this. So in Greco Roman wrestling, you are taught from, from nine years old to 29 years old that if you're on bottom, you go as flat as you can. And that is wrong. That is absolutely wrong. There's no reason our, our world team should be doing what a nine-year-old kid is doing. The sport evolves. And I believe you should sit back onto your haunches, push back like you're in a, a collegiate stance, more weight on the shoulders, your head is down, you're pushing back and holding there, but it would look more like that stance. Now, the problem that that gives for the top guy is the top guy has absolutely zero practice in that position. Anyone he ever wrestles with from 9 to 29 is going to go flat. That's when he knows to go to work. So if you give him a different look, and Manville suffered from this too. Manville suffered 3 to 8 seconds, and he only gets 30. That's a significant amount of time of looking at my position and going, "What are you doing? when are you going to go flat? And when he realized I wasn't, he had to start turning from there, but he has no experience turning guys from there because guys never go from there. They all belly out. There is no reason to belly out except to defend the guy's lock. If you can glue yourself to the mat, he can't get his hands under you, he can't lock his hands. Well, once a guy has his lock, don't stay there. And though the coaches and, and the philosophy of wrestling will tell you to do it, I will come in and show you and anybody else that wants that that is wrong. And it is better to come into a different position. If a guy goes to lift you, it screws his lift up com- absolutely completely. The lift is the easiest thing to defend from there. The gut wrench is a little harder anytime a guy's locked around you. And so I wanted to participate and, and attach myself to Mason Manville. That was my, I'm a Mason Manville fan, but I could have gone through the whole team. Now I would have got Tracy would have turned me. Robbie would have killed me. I could have gone through the whole lineup, but I wasn't looking to defuse anybody. I was looking to share something that I have developed over the years. I was looking for somebody to say, Hey, what are you doing there? Why, 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 why can a guy not turn you? That's what I was looking for, but I didn't get that reaction. I didn't get anyone to say, you know, Hey, show me that. So in that regard, I guess I will have to come back next year. However, however, in Chael's make believe land of, uh, of success, the street continues guys. Check out the ultimate weight cut. Go to ultimateweightcut.com. Anything you need to know if you got to cut weight and cutting weight and dieting is totally different. Cutting weight is where you got to lose 10, 15, 17 pounds in 24 hours. Metabolic rate. You've got to know what it is. Meal plans. You've got to know how to prepare for them. Hydration plans, water loads, dehydration methods, and most importantly, re hydration methods. It will all be at your fingertips digitally. No book that you have to wait for to be mailed to you. Go to ultimateweightcut.com. Enter the promo code bad guy. You will get 40% off. That is a huge savings, but I want you to have access to this information for Joel, for Linton, who was a wonderful guest. I am Chael, and until next time, this has been Beyond the Fight. Bad Guy Inc. presents Beyond the Fight.